Good afternoon, my name is Regina, and I will be your conference operator today. At this time, I would like to welcome everyone to NVIDIA's second quarter earnings call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question during this time, simply press the Operator, it's 2 o'clock. Can we get started? Regina, can you hear me? call for the second quarter of fiscal 2023. With me today from NVIDIA are Jensen Wang, President and Chief Executive Officer, and Colette Kress, Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer. I'd like to remind you that our call is being webcast live on NVIDIA's Investor Relations website. The webcast will be available to replay until the conference call to discuss our financial results for the third quarter of fiscal 2023. The content of today's call is NVIDIA's property. It can be reproduced or transcribed without our prior written consent. During this call, we may make forward-looking statements based on current expectations. These are subject to a number of significant risks and uncertainties, and our actual results may differ materially. For a discussion of factors that could affect our future financial results and business, please refer to the disclosure in today's earnings release, our most recent forms 10-K and 10-Q, and the reports that we may file on Form 8-K with the Securities and Exchange Commission. All our statements are made as of today, August 24, 2022, based on information currently available to us. Except as required by law, we assume no obligation to update any such statements. During this call, we will discuss non-GAAP financial measures. You can find a reconciliation of these non-GAAP financial measures to GAAP financial measures in our CFO commentary, which is posted on our website. With that, let me turn the call over to Colette. Thanks, Simona. This was a challenging quarter. Total revenue of $6.7 billion was down 19% sequentially and up 3% year-on-year, below the $8.1 billion outlook we provided on our last earnings call. As we indicated in our pre-announcement press release on August 8th, we experienced a shortfall to our expectations driven primarily by weaker gaming revenue. Today, we will share with you more details on our Q2 results and Q3 outlook. Starting with gaming, revenue of 2.04 billion was down 44% sequentially and down 33% year on year, reflecting challenging market conditions. As discussed in May, we expected a sequential decline in gaming revenue due to softness in Europe related to the war in Ukraine and COVID lockdowns in China. The decline in gaming GP revenue was sharper than anticipated, driven by both lower units and lower ASPs. Macroeconomic headwinds across the world drove a sudden slowdown in consumer demand. We implemented programs with our gaming channel partners to adjust pricing in the channel and to price position current high-end desktop GPUs as we prepare for a new architecture launch. As noted last quarter, we had expected cryptocurrency mining to make a diminishing contribution to gaming demand, 
we are unable to accurately quantify the extent to which reduced crypto mining contributed to the decline in gaming demand. While gaming navigates significant short-term macroeconomic challenges, we believe the long-term fundamentals in gaming remain strong. NVIDIA RTX has redefined computer graphics and is now supported by almost 300 games and applications. NVIDIA's GeForce GPUs are the most coveted brand by gamers, representing 15 of the top 15 most popular GPUs on Steam. Gaming has emerged from the pandemic as an even more popular form of entertainment and social connectivity. Estimated GeForce sell-through is up over 70% since before the pandemic. And peak concurrent users on Steam are also up more than 70% over the same time period. GeForce Now registered members now exceed 20 million. This quarter, we added 80 more titles, including the hugely popular Genshin Impact, bringing our total to over 1,350. Moving to professional visualization, revenue of 496 million was down 20% sequentially and down 4% from a year ago. A sequential increase in mobile revenue was more than offset by lower desktop revenue, particularly at the high end. As macroeconomic headwinds intensified, enterprise demand slowed and OEMs worked to reduce inventory. We expect these trends to persist in Q3. While ProViz is undergoing a near-term adjustment after doubling last year, we believe we have expanded the market opportunity over the last couple of years with AI and omniverse workloads. We believe hybrid work is here to stay, and with it, the need for collaborative 3D design enabled by professional graphic workstations, both at home and in the office, as well as in the cloud. In June, we announced a partnership with Siemens to enable the industrial metaverse, an AI-powered digital twin connecting Siemens Accelerator platform to NVIDIA, NVIDIA Omniverse. This connection opens Siemens to the vast ecosystem of NVIDIA Omniverse and NVIDIA to Siemens ecosystem of the world's largest industries. Earlier this month at SIGGRAPH, the premier computer graphics conference, we announced advancements to several foundational technologies of the metaverse, defined as the 3D version of the internet. First, NVIDIA Omniverse Avatar Cloud Engine will enable businesses to create and deploy assistants and avatars, transforming interactions across a range of industries. We also unveiled 11 new Omniverse connectors bringing the total number of connectors to the Omniverse USD ecosystem to 112. And finally, we release SDKs for the new field of neural graphics, which intertwines AI and graphics to help automate the creation of virtual worlds. Moving to automotive, revenue of 220 million increased 59% sequentially and 45% from the year-ago quarter. Strong growth was driven by auto AI solutions, which include AI cockpit and self-driving revenue, with particular strength in self-driving as new energy vehicle design wins ramp into volume. 
We believe Q2 was an inflection point for our automotive revenue, as NVIDIA Orin has great momentum. During the quarter, we announced rollout plans of new vehicles from OEM partners, NEO, Liato, GDU, and Human Horizons, as well as Pony AI's line of self-driving trucks and robotaxis, all built on NVIDIA Drive. Looking forward, we expect our 11 billion automotive design wind pipeline to translate to continued growth. Moving to data center, revenue of 3.81 billion grew 1% sequentially and 61% year on year. Although a record, this was somewhat short of our expectations as we were impacted by supply chain disruptions. Revenue from hyperscale customers nearly doubled year on year. Sequentially, sales to North America hyperscale and cloud computing customers increased, but were more than offset by lower sales to China hyperscale customers affected by domestic economic conditions. Vertical industries grew both sequentially and year on year. Key workloads driving growth include natural language processing, recommender systems, autonomous vehicle fleet data processing and training, and cloud graphics. To share a couple customer examples, Pinterest transitioned to 100x larger recommender models by moving its imprints from CPUs to NVIDIA GPUs. Its ability to deploy a higher quality model at high throughput and low latency resulted in a 16% increase in engagement, a critical metric for the company, which has over 400 million users and 300 billion images. And Tesla recently upgraded its supercomputer to use over 7,000 A100 GPUs for autopilot training. From a product perspective, networking-led growth this quarter strong demand from our high-speed Ethernet adapters and design wind momentum toward next-generation adopters, including the ConnectX 6 and ConnectX 7. We also see growing interest from cloud service providers for our new Spectrum 4 400 gigabit per second Ethernet networking platform. Additionally, we are ramping into the upcoming launches of our next-generation platforms. The Hopper Architecture flagship H100 data center GPU is in production. Grace is our first CPU. Top computer makers, including Dell, HPE, Inspur, Lenovo, and Supermicro, are adopting the new NVIDIA Grace CPU superchip and Grace Hopper superchip to build the next generation of supers. 71% of the systems on the latest top 500 list of the world's fastest supercomputers are powered by NVIDIA, including 31 of 39 new systems. NVIDIA's own Selene supercomputer ranks at number eight in the top 500 and is the world's fastest enterprise supercomputer. Moreover, 22 of the top 30 systems on the green 500 list of the most energy-efficient supercomputers are powered by NVIDIA. Significant advances in software technology are key to our platform performance. In the past two years, our A100-based platform has delivered 6x more performance as measured by the MLPERF industry benchmark, largely through new software technologies and optimizations. Last month, we announced an update 
to the NEMO Megatron framework that can speed up the training of large language models by up to 30%. Improving a multi-hundred million dollar AI infrastructure by 30% translates to significant value for customers. LLMs are one of the most important neural networks today, ranging in size from tens of billions to over a trillion parameters. Learning from text, they can be used for real-time content generation, text summarization, customer service chat box, and question answering for conversational AI interfaces. Currently, these capabilities are available to early access customers to run on NVIDIA DGX SuperPods and NVIDIA DGX Foundry, as well as in Microsoft Azure Cloud, with other cloud platforms available soon. We are working with the industry leaders in large language models, a very active and exciting space of AI. Moving to the rest of the PL, gap gross margins was 43.5%, and non gap gross margin was 45.9%. Gross margin includes 1.22 billion in charges for inventory and related reserves based on revised expectations of future demand and 122 million for warranty reserves. These charges incurred in the quarter reflect purchase commitments that we made during a time of severe component shortages and our current expectation of ongoing macro uncertainty. We believe our long-term gross margin profile is intact. GAAP operating expenses were up 36% from a year ago and down 32% sequentially, as Q1 included a $1.35 billion acquisition termination charge related to the RMX transaction. Non-GAAP operating expenses were up 38% from a year ago and up 9% sequentially. These increases were driven primarily by employee growth costs, as well as increases in salaries to support our employees during this high inflationary environment, and engineering development of new products coming to market. We have slowed operating expense growth, balancing investments for long-term revenue growth while managing near-term profitability. Our full year non-GAAP OPEX is expected to grow over 30%. During the first half of fiscal 2023, we returned $5.5 billion to shareholders in the form of share repurchases and cash dividends. We plan to continue share repurchases. We have nearly $12 billion remaining under our alteration through December of 2023. Let me turn to the outlook for the third quarter of fiscal 23. We expect gaming and pro-vis revenue to decline sequentially as OEMs and channel partners reduce inventory levels to align with current levels of demand and prepare for our new product generation. We expect that decline to be partially offset by sequential growth in data center and automotive. Revenue is expected to be 5.9 billion plus or minus 2%. Gap and non-gap gross margins are expected to be 62.4% and 65% respectively plus or minus 50 basis points. Gap operating expenses are expected to be approximately 
$2.59 billion. Non-GAAP operating expenses are expected to be approximately $1.82 billion. GAAP and non-GAAP other income and expenses are expected to be an expense of approximately $10 million, excluding gains and losses on non-affiliated investments. GAAP and non-GAAP tax rates are expected to be 9.5%, plus or minus 1%, excluding any discrete items. Capital expenditures are expected to be approximately 550 to $600 million. Further financial details are included in the CFO commentary and other information available on our IR website. In closing, let me highlight upcoming events for the financial community. We'll be attending the Jeffries Conference in Chicago on August 30th and the Goldman Sachs Conference in San Francisco on September 12th. And we will be holding a financial analyst Q&A with management following Jensen's GTC keynote on September 20th. Our earnings call to discuss the results of our third quarter of fiscal 2023 is scheduled for Wednesday, November 16th. We will now open the call for questions. Operator, can you assist? Would you please pose the questions? At this time, I would like to remind everyone, in order to ask a question, press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. We'll pause for just a moment to compile the Q&A roster. As a reminder, please limit yourself to one question. Your first question comes from the line of CJ News with Evercore ISI. Your line is open. Yeah, good afternoon. Thank you for taking the question. I think the question we all have is what is normalized revenues for, for gaming for you guys? Obviously, this is a challenge for you as well, but, but curious how, how you're thinking about it today. Um, is the fiscal 20 recovery post the first half 19 correction an appropriate framework? Um, or was that inflated by, by crypto as well? And, and I guess as part of that, you know, how do we think about the, the, the cascading in of, of the new product cycle? And is there potential for future um, reserves uh, needed to be taken if, if gaming uh, does not meet your, your, your new updated outlook? Thanks so much. Well, let me start first uh, there and see if I can assist in terms of uh, how to think about uh, after we get through uh, our completion just now of Q2 and what we have provided here for guidance for Q3. Across those two quarters, uh, the Q2 of 23, the Q3 of 23, we have likely undershipped gaming to our end demand significantly. We expect that sell-through or essentially our end demand for those combined two quarters of Q2 and Q3 to be approximately $5 billion. Now, on top of this, keep in mind that we do have uh, gaming growth drivers to consider for the future. These can include our new gaming product introductions that are around the corner, as well as new segments of the market that we plan to reach with our gaming technology, to just name a couple. I'll turn it over uh, to Jensen uh, to talk a little bit more about that. Now, regarding any further uh, types of write-downs on this perspective, uh, we did a thorough assessment with this quarter, uh, not only just looking at what we needed for this quarter, uh, but what we need for the long term. Keep in mind, our inventory uh, provisions and write-downs that we took into account had to reflect some of the purchasing that we did of supply uh, back more than a year ago, 
when we were still in extreme supply shortages uh, in almost all of our products. And so this was an opportunity for us to resize, given the macroeconomic conditions, uh, what we needed uh, in terms of supply. So our expectations were higher, and we took this opportunity uh, to write them down to what our current expectations are. I'll turn it over to Jensen to see if he wants to add more. Yeah, thanks, Colette. Um, CJ, our, our sell-through is off the highs uh, in the beginning of the year, but it's still very solid. In, in fact, sell-through has increased uh, 70% since pre-COVID, pre-pandemic. And so, so it's very clear that gaming is – the fundamentals of gaming are strong and um, – uh, this this medium is is really doing well. Not to mention, the gaming platforms are being used. Our gaming PCs are being used for influencers, people sharing content, creating content. Um, you know, vbloggers, uh, vtubers. Uh, there's all kinds of new ways of of um, engaging and and um, uh, spending time with video games. Uh, our strategy is to reduce the sell-in. Reduce the sell in this quarter, next quarter, to let channel inventory correct. You know, obviously we're we're off the highs and the macro condition turns sharply worse. And so, uh, our first strategy is to reduce sell in in the next couple of quarters to correct channel inventory. We've also instituted programs to price position our current products to prepare for next-generation products. Ampere is the most popular GPU we've ever created. It is in the top 15 most popular uh, uh, gaming GPUs on Steam. And it remains the best GPUs in the world, and it will be very successful for some time. Uh, however, we do have exciting new next generation coming and it's going to be layered on top of that. And so we've taken two, we've done two things. We've reduced sell-in to let channel inventory correct and we've implemented programs with our partners to price position uh, the products in the channel uh, in preparation for our next generation. All of this we anticipate we're working towards a path to being in a, in a good shape uh, going into next year. Okay, so that's that's um, uh, that's what our game plan is. Your next question will come from the line of Vivek Arya with Bank of America Securities. Your line is open. Uh, thanks for taking my question. Uh, actually, I just wanted to clarify, Jensen. Um, so should we assume that uh, gaming sell-in will kind of stay at these levels um, into your, uh, you know, Q1 or, or Q2, or depending on new product launch, it, it might recover? So just wanted to make sure our baseline assumption is set there. And then my question is um, actually similar on the data center. Um, sales are, are pretty strong right now, but there is a concern that data center capex could be the next uh, shoe to drop in this uh, rolling correction um, in, in semiconductors. I'm, I'm curious, what's your sense of utilization of your data center um, shipments, and, and what is the risk that uh, there could be a correction in the data center given some of the macro caution expressed by uh, some of the hyperscaler and enterprise customers? Yeah, thanks, Vivek. Um, 
the sell-through, the sell-through, as I mentioned earlier, of GeForce is solid. The end market gaming demand is solid. It's off the highs, which was which was uh, really high recently in the beginning of the year. And so we have, and because we were we were building for uh, uh, such a such a, a vibrant market, uh, we found ourselves with uh, excess inventory. And so our strategy is to sell well below, well sell in well below the current sell-through levels in the marketplace to give the channel an opportunity to correct. We'll do that for a couple of you know couple of quarters or so. We believe that that by the end of the year uh, we'll be in a good shape going into next year. And so so um, I hope that answers your question. But the important thing is our sell-in rate is far below what is happening in the market for sell-throughs. The sell-through is solid, uh, has increased 70% since pre-COVID, and so uh, the gaming market is really quite vibrant. Uh, On the second question, on data center and markets, uh, we hear fairly broadly that that uh, GPU supply is in shortage in the cloud. Um, we hear uh, quite broadly that demand for GPU uh, rentals uh, far exceeds uh, current supply. And, and it's, it's fairly sensible to us, uh, partly because uh, the number of use cases for GPUs in the cloud has grown uh, quite a bit. Uh, if you look at if you look at one particular segment in just uh, managing collecting data and managing the data of the AV fleet and using that data to train AI models, using that data to reconstruct HD maps, um, the the usage of GPUs in the cloud for just that one application has grown a lot. And and uh, uh, furthermore, there's a the uh, uh, deep, rec- deep learning-based recommender systems uh, has demonstrated such uh, significant effectiveness, uh, and it helps it helps uh, internet service providers uh, to enhance engagement, enhance click-through rate, and so that so this particular form of recommender systems uh, is going to to really drive a fair amount of uh, data processing and machine learning in the cloud, and then of course. Uh, over the last several years, a very important uh, model has emerged uh, called transformers. Uh, you and I have spoken about this model uh, several times in the past, and and um, uh, and, it's, and it's been found that this transformer model, these langu- large language, this language model, which when scaled up in size, exhibits uh, really spectacular uh, and uh, uh, effective capabilities. Uh, for uh, uh, to be to be used to to uh, learn skills uh, with either few shots or almost no shot, meaning it could it could learn skills, it could perform skills that it had never learned uh, because the knowledge was somehow encoded from the large amount of data that it had learned uh, learned from. And so, this large language model uh, uh, area of um, uh, innovation is is. Uh, uh, used in, in of course, uh, conversational chat, um, 
uh, uh, Q&A, summarization, uh, text generation, image generation. Uh, but very importantly, it's being used in uh, life sciences for understanding chemistry. Uh, we've done some very important work in this area ourselves called Megamobart. Uh, understanding proteins, understanding DNA, uh, to learn the language of these large, very, very large um, uh, uh, spatially as well as uh, temporally or sequentially uh, types of data. And so, so the impact of, of this area is really quite worth uh, staying close to. It's called large language models. Uh, I think Stanford did a paper that called it foundation models that could be used for, for uh, training all kinds of other types of AIs. And so we're seeing a great deal of demand for uh, GPs in the cloud. Uh, we were we were challenged this uh, this quarter with a fair amount of supply chain challenges because, uh, as you know, we we uh, don't just sell the GPU chip, um, but these systems are really complex with um, a large number of chips in the system components that we offer, like HGX. And so, kidding, all of the all of the components have to come together for us to be able to deliver uh, the final component. And then furthermore, these, these data centers uh, sit idle until the last piece comes together. And the last piece includes uh, very complicated switches and very complicated NICs and networkings and cables. And so the, these, uh, uh, building these high-performance computing data centers at very large scale for the world's clouds uh, is not, not, uh, uh, not particularly easy. And so the supply chain challenges uh, have, have been somewhat, somewhat disruptive. But the demand is there. And um, uh, on top of that, uh, we're ramping into uh, ramping into Hopper, uh, which is which is really a fantastic generation. Your next question will come from the line of Matt Ramsey with Cowan. Your line is open. Uh, thank you very much. Good afternoon. Um, I wanted to, to follow up on on the data center question that that Vivek just asked from a couple of angles. Um, I guess collect the first angle being. In, in the release, you guys talked about pulling I don't know, high 200 millions uh, of revenue into the July quarter from from October, but also with supply chain challenges, maybe some deliveries that were meant for July got pushed back into October. So, if you could talk a little bit more about those dynamics and and just just clarify for us that that the October sequentially up data center guidance is actually clean of any pull-ins. And Jensen, the second part. Um, the moving pieces, networking stronger in data center, U.S. hyperscale stronger, China hyperscale weaker. If you could kind of walk us through the trends that you're seeing into the October and January quarters and um, in those sort of those breakouts and, and when clarify for us when you think your H100 will really start to drive revenue. Thanks. Great. Thanks for the question. And um, it's kind of a little bit of an add-on uh, to some of the uh, statements that Jensen uh, was discussing regarding our supply chain and what we're seeing today. Um, our supply chain uh, during the quarter uh, really was quite difficult, was uh, uh, quite challenging to work through. Our uh, platforms, including HDX, networking chips, cables, switches, uh, were very important to the customers. Uh, it's not just about us selling uh, the GPUs. So even though um, uh, customers order components themselves, they're looking from us uh, for what we may refer to as kits, kits that go with those uh, GPUs for them to stand up their uh, data centers. Uh, we also experienced 
supply disruptions uh, internally with our logistics and our component availability. Some of our supply uh, uh, arrived very late in the quarter. Um, we had very little time uh, from a logistics and a uh, availability to get those things out. Uh, customers were impacted uh, as well by availability of key third-party other components that we weren't offering, which was slowing down some of their, de their deployments. So what we did in our Q2 uh, orders uh, that couldn't be delivered uh, in Q3, given that some of these supply constraints existed, and we had Q3 demand where we did have supply in Q2. So we worked with customers uh, to optimize that supply and demand, and that's what we've disclosed to you. Your next question. Let me answer. Let me answer the questions about the uh, the North American and the China, China hyperscalers. Uh, uh, the Chinese hyperscalers and the Chinese internet companies um, uh, really really slowed down infrastructure investment uh, this year, uh, particularly starting in in um, well, they've they've been uh, uh, rather rather slow in building out um, and. Uh, uh, really accelerate well slow really slow down in q two uh, this this um this slowdown can't last forever and and um uh, the number of the number of uh, new technologies and software the number of people who are using clouds uh, the number of cloud services is continuing to grow and and so uh, I fully expect investment to to return they're a very important market for us a very large market for us uh, and the fact that the fact that hyper, North American hyperscalers doubled year over year our revenues at the North American hyperscalers, uh, and and um, and that was offset by uh, declines in China, uh, said something about about um, uh, the slowdown in China. And so I, I don't think that's going to last forever. I think it's going to return. Uh, with, with respect to uh, Hopper, we're in full production now. And um, uh, we're racing to get uh, Hopper to all of the CSPs who are who are um, uh, uh, dying to get them. And uh, it goes with uh, our HGXs, uh, which is uh, multiple hoppers on a on a system system tray. It's really it's really a supercomputer in a, in a motherboard, if you will. And uh, it goes along with it um, uh, networking gear and switch gear and uh, and so there, there's a there there enormous amounts of, of resources. Uh, apply from all of the CSPs around the world and and ourselves to to uh, get hopper to them. We expect uh, to ship um, uh, substantial hoppers in Q4. Your next question will come from the line of Atoshi Ahari with Goldman Sachs. Your line is open. Hi, good afternoon. Thanks so much for taking the question. Um, I had a question regarding the um, $1.22 billion inventory charge, uh, maybe for collect, uh, uh, on this one specifically. Um, in, in the CFO commentary, I think you state that, uh, the, the inventory charge, um, is related to, to weaker demand in both data center and gaming. Um, I think the gaming side is, is pretty clear based on, you know, your comments so far. Curious, um, what's changed on the data center side? Is it mostly, uh, the Chinese hyperscalers that Jensen just spoke to, or is there something else going on in terms of how you're thinking about uh, demand and data center over the next couple of quarters? And, and related to this, curious if um, 
the, the delay in Sapphire Rapids at Intel is having an impact on, on your business in the near to, to medium term. Thank you. Uh, thanks for the question. Uh, so our inventory uh, charges, as uh, we commented, uh, we're taking a thorough look of not only uh, this last quarter as well as the quarter that we're guiding, uh, but looking over the long term of uh, what we need for demand uh, and then what we had in terms of supply. Remember, we had purchased this uh, very early on um, in the year as we needed to uh, to drive the commitments of the supply that we already have. And so what is happening here uh, for the data center, uh, we had great high expectations. We still have very strong, solid growth projection for data center as well. Uh, but we're gonna take this opportunity for some of uh, the prior architecture uh, pieces uh, to write down those, uh, given what we see as uh, just a change in terms of our expectations going forward. Uh, so you are correct, there are also pieces in there for uh, gaming. Uh, we have written down some uh, silicon and chips as the uh, macroeconomic conditions, and we get ready for our future product launches taken into account. But there's also components, services, and capacities and some of the other drivers that are incorporated in those write-downs. Yeah, our hopper supports um, previous generation CPUs, I, I guess next generation GPUs, uh, CPUs, Sapphire Rapids and Genoa after that, uh, as well as Gravitons. So, so we we uh, certify and test across uh, all of the uh, CPUs because the cloud service providers demand it, and they uh, they intend to deploy. Uh, uh, NVIDIA accelerators and NVIDIA hoppers um, across a, a large number of CPUs. Uh, there is no question that, that the delay is um, disruptive and, and uh, a lot of engineers have to have to scramble. Uh, it, would have been, it would have been a lot easier if um, next-generation CPUs were to, to have executed um, more perfectly. Uh, however, uh, Hopper goes into an environment with, with CSPs where they uh, um, connect our PCI Express um, connectors to old old generation current generation CPUs as well. And so, so it, you know, nobody likes nobody likes the delay. Uh, the next generation CPUs will trigger a uh, a refresh of infrastructure and new servers, and and so I'm super excited about them. Uh, however, however, we're going to be able to go to market uh, plenty fine with Hopper uh, supporting existing infrastructure. Your next question will come from the line of Aaron Rakers with Wells Fargo. Your line is open. Yeah, th thanks for taking the question, and and a lot of it's kind of been talked a little bit about. But I, I just, you know, Colette, I want to think about the numbers a little bit more. I guess based on the guidance commentary, where I would come up thinking about would be is like a 30-plus percent sequential decline in gaming and professional visualization and maybe kind of low to mid-single-digit growth in, in data center and auto. So I guess, you know, is that the right context? And with that and with Hopper coming down the pipeline, we're going to have a lot of questions around kind of the deceleration of year-over-year -year growth in data center, I believe. Do you think that Hopper, as that comes fully available, it sounds like in fiscal 4Q, 
that you actually see data center growth reaccelerate uh, as that product cycle materializes. Yeah, thanks for the question, and uh, that's a pretty good understanding of uh, our guidance. Uh, and we do expect, yes, uh, gaming uh, to decrease, not in the dollar amount that it decreased between Q1 and Q2. Uh, so that may be of our two areas of the decline, our gaming and ProViz. That may be about three-quarters of it uh, associated with that gaming. And then professional visualization would probably be about one quarter of uh, the two areas that will decline. Uh, our data center, yes, we do expect it to grow. It may grow about what we just saw uh, between Q1 and Q2. We'll continue to look at it. Uh, there may be some more opportunity there. And automotive, very similar to our thoughts at the very beginning of the quarter. We are expecting uh, continued growth through each of the quarters of this fiscal year. And we felt that Q2 was an inflection point. So we'll continue to grow into Q3 and hopefully Q4 going forward. I'll turn it over to Jensen uh, to see uh, his thoughts in terms of Hopper, uh, what Hopper brings to us in Q4 um, and expectations. The, the first thing I'll say, Aaron, is that we are uh, selling in, or we're selling far below the market demand, um, far, excuse me, far below the market sell-through. And the reason for that is to allow the inventory, the channel inventory and the OEM inventories to correct. And this allows us to prepare for our next generation. And our next generation has Hopper for compute, um, but uh, we also have a next generation for computer graphics that, that will be coming to market. Um, Hopper, Hopper is, is a, a um, giant new generation because uh, it is designed to perform this new type of uh, AI model called transformers. Has, has a has an engine inside it called transformer engine with numerical formats and uh, pipelines that allows us to do a spectacular job on a transformer type of models, which includes large language large language models, um, but it also includes uh, computer vision models that are, that are now able to be uh, uh, processed with this new type of uh, AI model called transformers. And so I, I fully expect Hopper to, to um, uh, be the next springboard for, for future growth, and, and this, the, the importance of, of this new model, transformers, uh, can't possibly be understated. And uh, can't can't be overstated. This is this is um, the impact of this model across uh, robotics, computer vision, languages, biology, chemistry, drug design. Uh, it is just really quite spectacular, and you know uh, I'm sure that you've been uh, hearing hearing about uh, this new breakthrough in in um, uh, AI, uh, and, uh, and and Hopper was designed for this. Your next question will come from the line of Atif Malik with Citi. Your line is open. Hi, thank you for taking my question. So let, uh, can you talk about uh, networking versus compute? Uh, were they both supply constrained um, in, in the July quarter, and uh, are, they, are they both sequentially growing in the October quarter? So uh, within our uh, Q2 result, um, we have been continuing to improve our supply for networking. 
Uh, we have a lot of uh, important products that the CSP needs, many of our customers needs, and we have been working uh, to really improve that supply. And we were able to set very strong growth in terms of networking both sequentially and year over year. Um, and as we move into the next quarter, uh, we're going to have to see uh, uh, which is going to be growth larger. Uh, we're just going to have to take a look once we uh, finish that quarter. Uh, but our supply uh, for our compute is here, but as we've discussed, uh, sometimes it's important uh, that they have many of our other uh, components that we provide in networking at the same time that we are providing the GPUs. So sometimes those are very important for us to deliver together, uh, so we always have to keep that in mind. So it's not always a supply constraint, uh, but there are uh, certain parts of it that are. Your next question will come from the line of Joseph Moore with Morgan Stanley. Your line is open. Great, thank you. Um, I wanted to ask, the, why did the supply constraints hit you guys so hard this quarter? I mean, you've done such a great job the last couple of years outgrowing really everybody in a very challenging supply chain environment. It hasn't tripped you up at all, and it seems like now it's kind of hitting you fairly hard at a time when, in other cases, it's kind of easing. So I'm just kind of curious. What is it about the timing, and, and how long does it sort of take? For, is that a hopper issue? Is it related to other components? As you talked about, how, how long does it take to clear those issues up? Thank you. Let me start and see if Jensen uh, wants to add on to it. Um, our execution um, has absolutely been phenomenal. When you think about the challenges of we're, we're almost putting together a full data center uh, for our customers and getting it shipped out. So we're no different in the same way that the CSPs are challenging with setting up their data centers as we're such an integral part of that. And so uh, networking has uh, been short of supply. These are the same uh, supply issues that uh, some of our CSPs are having. Uh, so our Supply arrived a little bit late in the quarter uh, for some of our key uh, products that we needed to get out, and putting that together uh, caused some disruption in our logistics uh, and distribution. Uh, we were pleased in terms of reaching the levels of networking that we did, but we did have some uh, challenges this quarter. Your next question will come from the line of Stacy Raskin with Bernstein. Your line is open. Hi, guys. Thanks for taking my question. Um, I wanted to go back to that uh, data center inventory charge. Um, you listed data center first when you talked um, primarily related to data center and gaming. Can you give us a feeling for how much of that charge was data center versus gaming? And then to follow up on that, um, it did sound like to me that it was mostly Ampere and not hopper um, uh, change in expectations. Can you can you verify that or clarify it and just talk about what's happened with your expectations for hopper? Have they gone up or down or has there been any change at all um, relevant to that inventory charge? Yes, Stacey, uh, regarding our inventory charges that we had, um, uh, when you think about what we have in supply, whether it be chips, uh, components, whether it be memory. Remember, a lot of these things can be used interchangeably across the two. 
Uh, additionally, uh, the value of our inventory uh, for data center is much different than the value of what we have for gaming uh, from an overall cost perspective. Uh, so we're creating uh, capacity opportunities, uh, putting together all of those systems in terms of uh, data center. It is prior architectures. Absolutely, this is not a question uh, regarding anything of our future products coming to market. Nothing on the inventory provisions has to do with that. So we took this as looking at the macroeconomic conditions as we've discussed. Um, our expectations, our plans uh, were higher. They're still quite solid uh, that we see in demand, both for gaming as well as solid for data center, and that will continue. Uh, but we did have to just take a right-sizing of that inventory. was designed for transformers. New transformers was going to be important. Nobody could have predicted the profound importance of large language models. Large language models, um, excitement, innovation, uh, ideas, companies, startups, uh, industries, uh, all exceeding everyone's expectations. I don't think anybody could have predicted uh, the impact of transformers as it scaled up to these giant sizes. There's a fair amount of literature now written about language models that were small-ish in the old days, in the beginning, several years ago, three years ago, and the ones that are in the hundreds of billions and moving towards probably uh, several trillion parameters. Uh, the 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 effectiveness of the AI uh, is is really quite spectacular, and uh, to have a, to have AI that that was never per, never trained on a particular skill, and yet within one shot or one shot of trying or even no shots, um, are able to perform that skill uh, is beyond anybody's expectations, I would think. And so I think the the um, uh, if the if the uh, success of Hopper uh, is is uh, reflects the, um, uh, the the amount of work and and um, uh, pent up demand for large training systems uh, that Hopper is going to go into. If that's an indicator, I think Hopper is going to be a spectacular success. Your next question will come from the line of Sweeney Pajuri with SMBC Nico. Your line is open. Thank you. I have a question on gross margins, Colette. Um, the 65% non-GAAP number you're guiding to, does that uh, include or assume any uh, additional write-offs uh, on the inventory front? And then uh, just to expand on that, um, your mix is uh, probably a tailwind to gross margins, um, given that gaming is down significantly and uh, data center is up um, a little bit. And I'm just wondering, um, are there any other offsets? Because I would have thought gross margins could actually be better uh, than your longer-term model because of the mixed tailwinds. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for the question. So our uh, gross margins outside of um, the inventory charges in Q2 as well as going into Q3 is really about our sales mix uh, that we have and probably also to understand that our sales mix in the next quarter uh, for GPUs is uh, not in the high end. 
And so that has impacted our gross margin as we move into Q3. You are correct. We do expect uh, that data center will assist in our gross margins, uh, but we also have growth planned in auto. Auto is below our company average, and so that will uh, tend to offset some of those upper bound uh, things that we will see in terms of data center. From time to time, there's always a small amount of scraps uh, that we will have in our uh, gross margin estimates. Uh, so nothing material is planned, uh, but there is small scraps that may occur from quarter to quarter that are included in that gross margin. Your next question will come from the line of Timothy R. Curry with UBS. Your line is open. Thanks a lot. Um, Colette, I had a clarification and then a question. So my clarification is whether October gross margins are benefiting at all from the sale of previously written down inventory. And then my question is whether you can give us the enterprise cloud split in uh, you know, data center, because it sounds like uh, the mix shifted more toward enterprise in July. And I think investors might want to see that as risky in the face of uh, um, enterprise, you know, clearly slowing. So I'm wondering if you can give us that. Thanks. Okay. No, um, no, there's nothing uh, in our Q3 regarding uh, those inventory provisions that we took um, in terms of earning that back in terms of our Q3. Uh, regarding our split uh, between our hyperscales and data centers and what we refer to as our vertical industries, they always tend to be about the same, 50% uh, for one, 50% for the others. Uh, they're still in about that range. Uh, we had discussed that our uh, China hyperscales uh, did not drive uh, growth in terms of sequentially here, and uh, so that did influence in terms of the hyperscales, but still we are approximately in that 50-50%. Your next question will come from the line of Harlan Sir with J.P. Morgan. Your line is open. Good afternoon. Thanks for taking my question. Um, on the weakness in ProViz, you know, this is an enterprise-focused business, right? Granted, it's a somewhat narrow vertical market, but it does sort of play into the market concerns that consumer is weak now, enterprise is the next shooter drop. So is the decline in ProViz attributed to enterprise spending weakness, or is there some other dynamic and why or why not is this not a leading indicator for your enterprise and vertical industry segments within your data center business? So um, our pro uh, visualization uh, business, just in such a short time, uh, they were in short supply and really trying to uh, feed so much of the industry's desire to both refresh and attract it to the new RTX uh, workstations that were there. Uh, we were uh, fueling both um, mobile as well as desktops uh, for that market and growing uh, quite nicely. Remember, all of last year uh, doubled, doubled the size of COVID in one year. Uh, so right now, uh, the OEMs are concentrating on their levels of inventory, uh, want to make sure that they can get through that inventory. But it Keep in mind, very similar to our discussion on gaming, there is still solid demand. There is still solid demand. Uh, we just have to correct some of the inventory, uh, but we still see both the opportunities that we've created for the market for these 
um, uh, to be longstanding. And your second question, remind me again. Whether the broader enterprise market uh, is going to be, the verticals are going to be affected by that. I would, I would say, first of all, we don't know. Um, uh, second of all, unlike works, unlike our workstation business, our ProVis business, there's no installed base. Most most of the ProVis sales uh, tend to be tend to be upgrades or replacements from something that has has um, our install base of you know three or four or five years that that people whatever upgrade cycle they happen to have. And so so in the case of ProVis, uh, the companies that are buying ProVis are ProVis systems. Uh, likely already have systems that they've been using. And so if they were to tighten up uh, ProVis for whatever reason, uh, the, the um, uh, you know, people could continue to use what they have. Uh, in, the case of, in the case of our AI business, there's no real install base. These are all brand new things that people are growing into. And the productivity benefits or uh, the cost savings benefits of, of using autonomous systems it's fairly fairly profound, and it's not it's not so much that that uh, the demand isn't out there. Everybody would like to be more productive. Everybody would like to save more money. Everybody would like to move faster. Uh, it's just that that um, AI's understanding and AI's use is, is still spreading, and so we're delighted by by the rate of growth and and the rate of adoption of enterprise. Uh, my sense is that that our AI business and our this business have very different different characteristics for that reason. Uh, but what, what Colette said earlier is, is about our ProVis businesses last quarter is, is absolutely true, which is which is uh, OEMs um, realizing that that the, the end market is uh, slowing and, and um, taking the opportunity to correct their inventory. Your final question will come from the line of Ross Seymour with Deutsche Bank. Your line is open. Hey guys, thanks for letting me ask a question. I just had a longer-term question about once your gaming business normalizes, with the absence of crypto uh, in a general sense and, and with the merge coming, et cetera, how do you view, view the pricing environment? Uh, I know you guys really weren't raising prices at, like we saw in the MSRP premiums in the aftermarket, but generally your mix was quite rich over the last year or two. Uh, you're going to have Lovelace coming in. That will obviously help the mix sequentially versus the last couple quarters. But how do you think about it normalizing if that $2.5 billion per quarter sell-through rate comes? Is, is the ASP mix across your stack about the same, or does it go down because the absence of that crypto tightening dynamic? I would say that without crypto dynamic, uh, the mix would go down. However, the overall trend long-term, the ASP is drifting up. And, and um, the way to think about that is, is a, a game console, uh, when I, the, my first game console was $99. Uh, lately, game consoles are selling for about $599. And the reason for that is because it's, it's, more, it's more useful than ever. You use, you use your game console for, um, for, for your greatest form of entertainment, and you, you use it for you know, a very, very long time. And GeForce essentially is a game console inside your PC. And we've always, we've always believed that, that the ASP of GeForce should drift towards uh, the average selling price of a game console. 
And so it should be something along the lines of $500 or so, you know, roughly at this time. Uh, we also have GeForce uh, in the cloud. And because GeForce in the cloud is, is uh, hosting uh, many gamers simultaneously, uh, it tends to want to be a much more powerful GeForce. And, and so our cloud gaming gaming GeForce tends to be, our cloud gaming graphics tends to be uh, much higher end. Uh, and so, so um, uh, and then, and of course, there's the design aspect of it. Most designers and most creators are are able to use uh, GeForce these days, uh, and uh, they use their PC to to uh, create content, and much of that content goes into video games, and um, uh, and and uh, or they're using video games to create their artistic artistic content, and. And so, so the GeForce um, is not just for gaming for them. The GeForce is essentially their creative workstation as well. And so there, there are several dynamics that are that are causing the ASP of GeForce to go up. And uh, we've been seeing this trend for se several years now. Thank you. I will now turn the call back over to Jensen for closing remarks. Thanks, everyone. Navigating our supply chain transitions in a challenging macro environment. In gaming, our partners and ecosystem are responding to a sudden slowdown in consumer demand and correcting channel inventory. Still, the fundamentals of game, gaming are strong. We'll get through this over the next few months and go into next year with our new architecture. I look forward to telling you more about it at GTC next month. In data center, AI, where computers are helping us write software that was impossible before, is driving a computing revolution and transforming every industry. NVIDIA's leadership in full stack, data center scale, accelerated computing has made us the ideal partner for companies racing to leverage the power of AI. Even with the current macroeconomic headwinds, Demand for our data center products have never been stronger. The next wave of computing is coming. With AI and 3D graphics advances, developers will extend the internet with virtual world overlays that connect to the physical world. This next evolution of the internet is called metaverse. We created Omniverse to connect the digital and physical world be an open platform for creating and operating metaverse applications. The immediate applications for Omniverse span product design, manufacturing, and operations. Omniverse is off to a great start. Our automotive revenue is inflecting, and we expect it to be our next billion-dollar business. Autonomous driving is one of the biggest challenges AI can solve and computing opportunity for us spans the data center to the car. Autonomous driving will transform the auto industry into a tech industry. Automotive is one of the first to transform into a software-defined tech industry, but all industries will be. We're building NVIDIA AI and NVIDIA Omniverse to be the engines for the world's enterprise to become software-defined, AI-powered technology companies. I look forward to next month's GTC conference, where we will share new advances of RTX, reinventing 3D graphics and gaming, 
AI's continuing breakthroughs and building the metaverse, the next evolution of the Internet. So join us. We look forward to updating you on our progress next quarter. Thank you. This concludes today's conference call. You may now disconnect.